Welcome to another episode of Fight the Burnout. Uh, as we are this year, we have another uh, first responder. We actually have a police off, uh, ex-police officer who's just about to, well, he's left the police, but he's doing been doing some other stuff. He's just about to completely retire and has sold his house and go travel. So he is at the later stages of everything, so he's going to let us know what it's all like and everything. He has a very... Uh, a very exciting and amazing story. Um, he's gone even beyond, if you've been watching any of this stuff of me, he's gone beyond where I did or where so many others did uh, and is here to still tell the tale. So let's really um, have a listen. Uh, make sure, as I always say, to take one thing away from this. So just listen out and whatever hits you the hardest, take it, run with it, implement it, live it, eat it, breathe it. Uh, and then come back and listen again uh, and grab another one. But um, as I always like to do, uh, we have Mike here. Uh, Mike, just give us a little bit about who you are um, and a little bit, you know, and maybe, you know, five, ten minutes, your, your, a bit of your backstory, and then we'll really dig into things deeper. Um, well, my name is Mike Wander, and currently I live in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I... I'm originally from Oregon. I grew up um, just outside of Portland, Oregon um, in a town um, called Gresham and uh, went to high school there, college there um, before I spent the rest of my life, most of my life I spent it in Bend, Oregon, the central part of Oregon. Um, and then just after um, I retired, I kind of floated around a little bit and uh, ended up in Arizona with my son down here. Uh, and so I've been here ever since. Uh, currently, I, I work for Maricopa County. I supervise an investigation unit. And um, my last day is in another eight days. Eight days from this recording. That's awesome. So by the time this goes live, live you'll be retired and traveling around. This is uh, 40 awesome. years. 40 years. 40 years been doing, you know, been in some sort of law enforcement or investigation role. So how long were you in, because it was Bend, Oregon, you were in, in active law enforcement, weren't you? Oh, I was actually, um, I, you know, my, my story is interesting because I grew up in such a, I, my house, my, my parents were, uh, my dad was a business executive. And, um, the fire department used to hold their annual uh, summer picnic behind our house at, at my friend's house that I grew up with. When I, I'm when I get 18, I'm gonna join that fire department. I had no clue at all what I was getting into. None at all. As most as most young guys and girls don't. <laughs> like, well, I'll be, let's see how exciting this was. And oh, it was exciting. So I joined, I joined that, and then um, I got hired for a short time. And I was put me at the station, and it was just slow. And I was young, and I wanted to experience all that adrenaline. Yeah. So then uh, a buddy, a, a school teacher friend of mine said, oh, you ever thought about being a cop? And I was like, no. And he goes, well, come out and ride with me. So um, I went out on this ride along up in Multnomah County, Oregon. And um, I was like, now this is fun. Those, da those damn ride alongs get it every time. They either make it or break oh, it. One of the two. Man, it was just, I was like, I got to do this. And so um, I got it. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to work on that. So my first job was as a uh, police officer was at a three-man department on the coast, very short amount of time. And then I went to this other small department just outside of Portland called Troutdale. And um, I was there for eight years. 
Um, but most of my time I spent, I was assigned um, to the downtown Portland uh, units, working narcotics and major crimes. That was, that was all we did. Um, uh, the interesting part of that, this whole story that, I mean, that I can try to relate to explain to people is I stayed in the fire department for 18 years. So I stayed as a volunteer fireman for 18 years. And um, when I went to Bend, the Central Oregon, I continued to be a volunteer fireman. And I was an officer. So, which kind of relates to how the whole story goes. And I think as we go on, I can explain it more to tell you, uh, because literally I was dealing with stuff seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You don't sleep. There wasn't any time. So, and so you, it just keep, kept on going and kept on going. And so I had my, my downfall. Mm. <laughs> I guess not downfall. Your, your, your awakening. Your awakening. awakening. We'll call yeah. it your awakening. Yeah. Um, so Mike, as I always like to do, because everybody has a different definition of, of burnout, obviously there's Webster's definition and that, but if, who cares about that? It's all about personal, what yeah. we, what we believe it is. What would you say your definition of burnout is before we go any further? Absolutely. It's just burned out was me was just not being able to function. Not what I call not function in society. You just couldn't function. I couldn't think I couldn't. Um, it's just, I was, it was just burned out. If I, I couldn't do anything. I didn't feel like I can be social. I didn't feel I could be, uh, I just didn't know where to go. I had nowhere to turn. So mm. that, that was, that was the bad part of it. So my burnout, what I call burnout was just that. I was just, I was lost. I was, uh, I was a lost person for a while. Mm. Lost. It sounds like a bit of, it felt like you're alone, nowhere to go. Yes. Yet yes. as law enforcement we have and fire, I think fire actually has it even better than law enforcement. We've got our whole team that we're around, but yet we're all feel alone. So we all push each other away, don't we? <laughs> You know, we did, but, it, you know, times have changed. When I first started, we were very team-oriented and did a lot of things as a team. And, um, as things got changed over the years, um, the teamwork wasn't quite the same, but you only associated with the guys that you were close with. Yeah. So, you know, back in the day, we only, you know, because they were the ones that understood. You know, your wife, you can go home and believe me, I've been married five times, six times, something like that. Um, I've been through the gamut. And because you go home, you cannot function. It's like um, my brain was always on call. It was always, uh, um, okay, what's next? Am I going to be called out through the through the police department? Am I going to be called out through the fire department? Um, what's it going to be? Something's going to happen because you can't relax. And then as soon as you go to bed and you relax, bam, your pager goes off and you're out the door and you're running again, you know? And yeah. You're in yeah. that, you're in that function mode. So when you're home and you're trying to function and be a part of society, you, it's not there. It's, 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 um, your mind's elsewhere. Yeah. Your mind is in other places. You're anticipating that yeah. what's going to happen next. And that high alert, knows that, what that consistent could be. high alertness. I can relate to that one. I had that as yeah. well. The consistent high alertness of, even though if I was off duty and I didn't have a, I mean, I didn't, I, we weren't on call, but it, even if I was off duty, it was always applying the same principles as when I was on duty. Right. And man, it gets tiring. Um, 
before we go into kind of the story and the 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 awakening as we've kind of now put the name on it um <laughs> what is i want to just just tell, let's start on a, i like to start on a on an up on a high what is one thing one one major thing like the number one thing that you feel you've learned from all of your career and your your life up to up until now what would be the number one thing that you've kind of that you've learned from it all the talk to talk to like to try to talk to people and and listen and um and you always you, i always try to be there for everybody so that's probably the one thing if i and i always say if i can always help one person then i was successful and um you know through my career i i i've talked officers off the off the ledge you know and by some of it's by sharing my story just privately with them and some of it's uh you know because it's the same fear if i say anything who's i'm going to get fired or i'm going to lose my job or something so you, you're always talking to people privately trying to help them mm -hmm. so i think the one thing i've learned is is trying to share so i you know i've tried to share my story more and more you know but not everybody wants to listen. And then some people, you know, they've, it, I think this, how's the story go? The people who've been there and done it are most, are least likely to talk. Then the more people talk and have their stories, they're the most probable people who haven't been through it. I mean, that's kind of like, that's, yeah. Really, I, you know, I think I, I know we've talked about this in the past as well. And, you know, it's that, it's that thing of, you know, there's that there's that fear of especially as you know as us law enforcement when we're when we're in and amongst it we are like no i you know i'm supposed to be the strong one so i'm yep. just not going to talk about it. i'll deal with it it will be fine and it's so interesting you you know you're like the 10th person that said that to me where i'm worried about losing my job and my career yep. and you know, I'm a huge why person. I help people create their mission statements and, you know, really make sure that their identity is them, not what they do. But that statement almost winds me up the wrong way in some ways, because I'm like, you're so worried about losing your career and getting fired that you're willing to sacrifice yourself. Yep. You were. And old school, but it's old school versus new school. It is. That's how I say. Yeah. And it is school, old school. They don't do that. School, but at the same time, it's the same thing because it's like, well, if you're lost and if you're destroyed or if, and we'll get into your story here in a second, but if you're not here, <laughs> you've been fired or lost your career anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and so is a career worth losing yourself? No, this, I, I will tell you that, um, the, the job, um, took its toll on me hmm. as it does more than, so many. More, more than I ever, than more than I ever know, but I can tell you it, it took its toll on me. It ruined all sorts of things in my life. So why do you believe, and we'll go into your story just after this question, but why do you believe that it took such a toll on you? What do you think the number one thing is? Cause I wouldn't talk. I, I wouldn't talk. I didn't think anybody wanted to hear it. I didn't think anybody cared. Um, I didn't think, uh, it's just, I don't think anybody, I, I believe that nobody cared and, and I had to be the strong guy. I was the senior guy in so many different things. And um, from fatal car accidents, shootings, whatever it was, I was the guy who didn't want the young guy 
to go through some of the stuff I'd been through. So I was the guy putting the people in the body bags. I was just like, hey, why don't you get back? Let just let me deal with this. The protector. Um, I, I'm the guy that's going to do this. I'm I'm the guy that's going to jump in with both feet. I'm going to be the first guy there, and I'm going to because I don't want you I don't want you to experience what I experienced. So sometimes it was almost like I was trying to protect things and protect the younger guys. Mm. Um, and and so when um, you go to the, some of these debriefs and um, some of the things that happened, and we we would do we started doing more and more debriefs and. Um, which was good, but I wouldn't talk because I was the, I was the guy that couldn't talk, but I was always there to listen um, to the guy. Maybe the guy wasn't directly on scene and he was maybe on a perimeter, you know, and but I want I listened to his story, but I wouldn't share my story. I didn't want everybody to know how I was feeling, even though I was ripped apart, 14 shades and I was going on long drives trying to clear my head or hitting a bottle because I didn't know which way to go, you know, and and that was my way of, that's just like, that's how I'm going to deal with it. So what, what, um, what benefits did that bring? Oh, it didn't, not, not a thing. So here's, here's my belief. I believe that with every bad thing or negative, there's always something good that's come out of it. What do you believe good that came out of, out of you going through, you know, during that time? My kids, um, my son being a police officer now, I, I'm fortunate because I can relate to him and I make him talk. Yeah. You know, sometimes he doesn't want to talk, but here's the good thing with him. He calls me. He calls me because he knows I've been there and done it. So he'll call me. Yeah. And, um, and the, his, I've been with him when he's gone through his debriefs and some of the bad stuff he's gone through. Yeah. So do, you believe even back, do you believe even back then um, by you not talking, but listening you were able to actually help those other officers or even by, you know, making sure that you were dealing with the stuff, you were able to help those officers to make sure that they didn't, they weren't going through what you were. Yeah. So I tried to guide them. You know, the other thing that really helped me with now, this is kind of funny. When I was trying to negotiate with somebody to get them out of crisis, I think that was, I think if I could talk to somebody, I had a hundred percent success rate, hundred percent. Um, and I think it was because I could relate to them. Mm. And um, I think that's how I could, get, I could get my hook in them. And I could say, this is why we need to do this. Because I could share my story. Say, listen, I've been there. I've done this. And there, believe me, there were situations that there was nobody could believe I got, I got people out. There was nobody. The SWAT team was all mad at me. They're like, how did you get this guy out of there? It's like... I mean, saying, I'm, I'm going to shoot it out with you guys. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. One guy was, I'm going to shoot it out with you. He just killed his, killed his roommate in his house. And I couldn't find anything. I was trying everything to hook him in. His cat, his flipping cat. I talked him out over his cat. So, so as nobody, you, nobody believed it. Nobody in a million years. Neither did I. I couldn't <laughs> But that's, but that's the thing. And, you know, and, and the reason I want to bring that what up was because your initial response was there was nothing. Yeah, there was, there, the SWAT team was going to go in. But they're what, telling I, mean, they're what go I mean in. is your initial yeah. response to, your initial response to you not talking and you going through all this stuff, there was nothing good. All of a sudden, no. we've seen all this. And I just want to bring that up for people that maybe people are going through stuff and they're struggling to talk or they're struggling to, you know, 
get their story out to people or struggling to just put their hand up and say, Hey, I'm not doing so well. And I need to look after me for a little bit. There's good that comes out of it. You have done yeah. good from all of the stuff that's happened. Quote unquote, so many people use to you. Uh, it's all happened actually for you to create this goodness. You know, you fast forward, you know, 20 years, I think it is around your son's now calling you when he goes through stuff because he understands, you know, and you can do all that. So Mike, I hit rock bottom. I hit rock bottom. And I want to talk about that now because I think this is very important to talk about. And, um, and I appreciate, you know, I know that you don't, I remember us talking before we even, you know, organized this interview and you're like, you know, well, I don't talk about this much. You know, I talk about it in private and that, but not hugely out to people, but you also know the impact that it can make. So I appreciate you for being here. And I appreciate you for being, you know, as vulnerable as you feel you, you can be today. Um, so Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, what you just called rock bottom? I think it was a rock bottom. It, <sighs> so over the years, you deal with things, um, some things you remember, some things you forget about. I mean, you really do. You and you. You forget about them for whatever reason. You hide them or you do whatever. But, um, you know, I can tell you to this day, in 1979 on Thanksgiving Day, I pulled a dead guy out of a Volkswagen Buck. I mean, I can tell you that. I can remember what it looked like. It was the first time I'd ever seen a dead person in a car wreck. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I'm like, this guy's dead. Then I find out he's going to the airport to pick up his girlfriend for Thanksgiving. So I was like, but you got to remember, in 1979, when I first started into all this, if you showed emotion, you were weak. And your weakness would ruin your career because you couldn't, you couldn't be weak. And um, so when I got in law enforcement, it was even more so. So, you know, you'd go to these crashes. And I remember people in car wrecks that were burned and people that, you know, died as you're pulling them out. I, I, re I remember all of these things. Like I tried to kill me one night along the freeway um, and I literally strangled him out. And, you know, it's like, you, but you couldn't talk about it to anybody. You couldn't talk about the fear because I was scared. I was really scared after that. And so then it got to the point where the new guys are coming on. I had to be tougher. So I'm the, I'm the guy that has to be, I'm the guy that has to pick them up and move them around and do these things. And I remember um, we were on a really bad domestic. Um, when I first went down to Ben PD, I'd only been there a couple of years. Um, and a guy was in a, a it was a domestic situation where um, he had taken his girlfriend hostage and he was, uh, he was across this long field and there was gunshots um, that we didn't know what happened. And as he drove toward us, um, I just got there and the other two officers that were there, um, he, there was shots fired and they're, they're like, we didn't shoot, we didn't shoot. And we ran up to the car cause we couldn't see inside the car cause of how the sun hit us. And I remember um, the, I went to the passenger side and there was a female in the passenger seat and the guy and they pulled, they pulled the guy out of the driver's seat and he had blown his head off. But I remember she had brain matter on her and her eyes were like huge and she's, and she's trying to talk to me and she can't because her jaw is blown off. 
And I'm like, going, you got to relax. You got to relax. You got to relax. And I'm like, going, just, just stay calm. I go, just look at me, stay calm. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm a mess. And, um, but then there was blood and I'm like, where is this blood? It doesn't make sense. And I opened her shirt and she had two flipping bullet holes, 22 small caliber right in her chest. And she was bleeding out. So we got a helicopter in and we're loading her up and we're rushing her to the helicopter. She codes as soon as we get her in the helicopter. And she, she dies. And it wasn't long. That, I mean, that, that ate me alive. I mean, that completely just tore me apart. But I think the thing that really tore me apart was we were about two years later, um, I was at a, teaching a class at a high school and we were talking about things and somebody asked me like what was one of the worst things that happened to me recently? And I shared this story and this girl in the class starts crying. And she says, she talked to me afterwards and she says, that was my mom. And I'm like, wow. She goes, why didn't you guys shoot him? Why didn't you save my mom? Why didn't you shoot him? And I, I didn't have, I didn't have the answer. I was like, how do you answer it? And it was like, so it was like, I, that, I was like a basket case. I mean, then I had a bunch of other stuff happen. But, you know, during that time too, where another young lady came to me and she'd taken a bunch of uh, aspirin and she ended up dying because her dad was burning her with cigarette butts, you know? And uh, so as it, as it goes on and you deal with these things, you, they keep pouring in and you just keep, I never dealt with them. I had no one to talk to. I couldn't go to anyone. Um, my teammates, I couldn't go to. You know, we, we would talk about it at parties or whatever, but we couldn't. I couldn't go home and talk about it. Are you kidding me? That was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Um, so your brain is, you, you just start getting numb to everything. There was, and I think I've shared this with you too. There's no emotion. I had no more emotion. I had nothing. It was like, um, I still don't have a lot. Um, but then there's things that go on and I had another baby that, that, that died. Um, I did CPR on this baby and it was like, I was right there when it, the call came out and I jumped in the ambulance and doing CPR. I mean, in my head, there's no reason this baby died. And, and um, we couldn't, we couldn't save it. And I remember the, the mother telling us, why, why couldn't you, why didn't you save my son? Why didn't you save my child? So it's just, it just keeps, that same thing just keeps getting concreted in over and over again. Why, yep. why didn't, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Right. Keeps going and going and going. And so then it gets to the point in my life where it has gotten bad. I mean, I just, I can't even function drinking, trying to just keep my, my brain occupied and, um, bad marriages. And we had this kid that get held hostage by his by his estranged father and he held another girl hostage and we were trying to talk him out and turns out he was <clears throat> filling the bathtub with water to drown the kid and, um and we it was like I was trying to talk him out and he was just I knew a lot of history of him I had dealt with him many times before and then when we couldn't hear the baby cry anymore I got the girl out and then he was he had this baby and when they kicked the door in to get him I mean, I could hear him. He was, he was uh, holding the baby like in, by the bathtub. They told me later, but they brought that baby out to us, and 
I just remember that. And that was like, I, I had to leave. I mean, there was nothing, I was just, I was nuts. I was like, God, what happens if I made the wrong call? I mean, that kid was going to die, you know, <clears throat> but who do you go talk to? So what did I do? I went out and I said, well, I'm just going to go get drunk. And everybody goes, what's wrong with you tonight? I'm like, nothing. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. So it kept progressing. By that stage that people were yep. asking you and wanting to talk to you, but you had the habit now of, I don't talk to people. And then I found that if I did talk to people, you'd get halfway through your story and they would, they would go, yeah, you know, that happened to me once, you know, this is what happened. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not in a competition with you. That's not what I want to do. So I'm not going to talk to anybody. So as we know, it progressively got worse. And um, it was at the point where I didn't know what to do anymore. I really, I was, I was a lost soul. Um, I had gone to this counselor. So I went to a couple of counselors and they were a joke. They were an absolute joke. And um, when I went to him, one guy fell asleep when I was talking to him. And finally, I said, I need a name of somebody. So the name they gave me, um, I went to her, but her husband was a, was a judge. And I knew her husband. Mm -hmm. I've been in court with, you know, in front of him many times throughout the years. And, uh, but I remember she kept saying, you're not talking, you're not talking. And I said, let me tell you my fear. I have two fears. I told her, here are my fears. Fear one is, if, you, if I tell you what I really feel, and you think, because I know from being in that side of the world, if you think I'm a danger to myself or others, you have, you have to go say something. If you go say something, then I have nothing. And then what am I going to be? And I said, my second fear is that you're going to go talk to your husband. And now it's going to get out through that way. So I'm not sure how I'm supposed to relate with you. Mm. And over many sessions, she broke me down. And to where I got, I got some trust in it, but I was still just crashing because I still, you know, I, I still wasn't, I couldn't come all the way out. I have lots of and masks and everything's there. All this armor everything. that, especially back in your days when you were policing, yep. it was, uh, you know, there wasn't that support there. There wasn't that trust. There wasn't that acknowledgement that nope. shit, the stuff that you deal with as a law enforcement is not normal. Um, yeah yeah normal yeah. there was nothing normal about law enforcement there is nothing <laughs> you deal with the negative no. of everything there is nothing normal but you can do some good stuff with it <laughs> okay so yeah you you're with this you're with this um this this counselor therapist um yeah. and what happened next so she did uh, uh what do you call it with the headphones and the the feelers i can't um, i can't remember what it's called right now and I brought, I remembered some other things. that oh, like hypnotherapy girl. type side of stuff. Yeah, and it was Audio. bringing out other things. And I was just like going, oh my God, I remember that. And then it was like getting worse and worse. And then it was just, my whole life was just crashing around, just crashing. Mm. So um, I was, I had a couple of drinks and I was just like in my truck and I went down to the river. So um, in Bend, there's a river that goes like through the center part of town, right? Um, and it's very, very popular very popular for floating and rafting. And I went down um, and I was armed because I'm always armed, right? And, and I was down on this dock and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. My, my life, it's, it's, my life is, my life's fucked up. I got to change it. 
and I, I, but I can't, I don't know how, I have no support. I have no nothing. I have nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. I have no nothing. And um, so I just, I was going to take my life that day, right on that, right on that bridge, not on a bridge, it was like on a dock thing, like sitting yeah. out there. And then my thought was my kids, my thought was, um, I don't want somebody to find me here. So maybe I'll walk up the river a little bit further, um, sit on one of the rocks. So all these things are going through my head. And then um, in all the years of negotiating, you know, we always told people, there's always tomorrow. Let me get through today. And then there's always tomorrow, right? Then you can, if that's what you choose tomorrow. So literally, this it was it was at night. It was it was like uh, it was dark out. It was in the summer, and I remember I reached out to this counselor, and and she says, "You're in my office eight o'clock in the morning." I said, "You're going to listen to me?" She goes, "Yeah." So I said, "Okay, tomorrow's a new day," and I walked away. And I walked in her office and I said, "If you ever tell anybody this, the." I'm, you're going to ruin me. And she goes, I will not tell a soul. And she didn't, she never told anybody. So she started working with me for months and, you know, I got, at least I got my head screwed on straight a lot more, you know, still going through some bad things, but then what things really came to light was I was in a, I was in a training class um, and Corey, one of your, your previous guests, he was running this unit and, you know, Corey and I have worked together for a long time and Corey, I never talked to Corey about any of that. And, but I remember we were in this class and this guy was teaching this class and uh, I'm like, he was teaching it like, no, this isn't what happens. And the more I talked, the more I sat there and I said, and I, then, and me, I was like, you know, it's not exactly how that happens. Well, yeah, you know, we, you know, this is how we look at it. And I said, but that's not how it happens. This is why it happens. Yeah. But you know, not according to this. And, he, and I was like, finally, I just turned around and I was like, he kept, he kept not listening. He kept not listening. And I go, I said, I'm going to tell you how I know. And I told my story to this class. And I looked back and Corey's sitting back there and I'm like, well, I'm glad I'm close to retirement. I got my retirement time and I guess I can retire now <laughs> because I thought I was done. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I had three people in that class come talk to me and one called me afterwards and Corey came up and talked to me and he says, and I said, well, pack my bags. And he goes, hell no. He goes, you're going to work with us. So yeah. So, so what did you what you what you learn from Mike? That people were there to help. I learned that on that day. That was probably the first day that I learned it. So it's it's funny. Like I want to say one thanks for sharing that because I know how hard it can be, especially if you're not used to sharing it, knowing that this is going out to the world. You know, um, yeah. it's and so I appreciate that you know wholeheartedly, and that is. You have seen and dealt with a lot of, a lot, you know, and, and experienced a lot. And what I will say, and because I'm always a half glass full person, um, not, haven't always been, as you know, as, as many people know, um, but I am now. And I want to say, you know, you learned a lot, you know, yeah. everything you, everything that happened for you, because that's what I like to say, everything that happened for you 
has created this amazing person who you are now, who you're going to help your son, you help so many different people, you're going to help so many people just by sharing now. Uh, and so I want to, I want to praise you for that as well. And I want to say, I, 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 I haven't gone through all the things and seen all the things and done all the things that you have, that you've experienced, but I can, I can, I can relate because it was the same way in the end. Yeah. Who cares? Why? I'm going to show weakness. My best friends, I went through stuff twice and I went through that burnout twice. And I think you and I have talked about this, but I would just want to say it for viewers, not to diminish your story at all, because yours is way, way bigger and more learning experiences than mine, but we all are in it together. And it's, I, I went through stuff twice in the job, saw counselors twice. The first lot were horrible. Um, yeah. the first, the one lady was pretty good. She helped my wife a lot, but again, I wasn't talking. So I have to take my own ownership as we always do. Uh, and then I went to the police psychologist as well. The police counselor, I think it was, I think he was a psychologist and he was absolutely horrible. All he yeah. did was feed into me wanting to run away. And he's like, yeah, go for it. I was like, I've heard about it a few times in different departments around the world. But anyways, you know, again, I probably wasn't talking enough. I probably wasn't saying the right, saying what was actually truly going on. But I remember that first time I didn't tell anybody. My wife and I didn't tell anybody that what was going on. I didn't even tell my best friend who I met at police college, who we're now friends. I just saw him yesterday. And then a few years later, towards the end of my policing career, I went through it again. And it hit me like Mike Tyson hitting you know, doing his left hook that he used to throw, knocking people out, hit me even harder because I hadn't actually worked through it all. And I remember that time and I was like, and that was when I almost cheated my wife and everything just went downhill. And I started to talk about it. And I told my best friend that it was, and I was like, you know, this, this is happening again and all this. And he goes, he turns to me and he goes, hang on, wait a second. Again? And I go, yeah, again, I was like, it happened a couple it happened a few years ago, seeing counsel, blah, blah. He's like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. And I remember, I remember seeing his face and going, I don't know why. Because I didn't think that you'd, I didn't want to burden you with it in a way. I'm getting emotional about this because it, it still hits me. Why didn't I yeah. talk about it? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's that ego thing. And I, I, so many law enforcement. And so I want to, again, praise you for it and, and tell anybody who's listening to this, like Mike has said so far, talk about it. it it's hard. It's it's hard. It, it's hard to talk about it. Um, I, in my later part of my career at Ben, um, a guy uh, was destroying an apartment. We I was had a reserve with me, and we were just left a fatal a fatal pedestrian crash, and then this call comes out and I was, I remember telling him, I go, this isn't going to go good. You just, you just, my gut was like, this is not going to go good. And we're moving up on this building and he's out, he's on this deck firing off a shotgun and, and we're coming around the building and they, somebody says he's coming out and he's walking and they gave me like, he, he's walking toward me and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm gonna have to shoot the guy. That was my thought. There's no, there's no choice. But he turned and he went the other way. And as we came around the corner, he was sitting on the hood of a car and he literally took the shotgun underneath his chin and he torched himself right there in front of us. And that never leaves uh, mind. No, and, and it was like, you know, but again, old school is like, well, shit, 
guy shot himself. But the reserve that was with me was like, he was like white as a ghost, didn't know what to do. And he goes, he's breathing. And I'm like, cause he doesn't know he's dead yet, um, but he's dead. He doesn't have a head. And, and I was trying to help him and we had people screaming cause there's all sorts of people around there. People yelling and screaming and screaming and yelling. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm trying to get everybody calmed down. But I remember even in the dead debrief, I didn't say a word, not a word. Um, I let everybody else do the talking. They were all the younger guys. Let them do the talking because I was the old guy. This isn't supposed to hurt me because you got to remember back when I started, you couldn't, you couldn't show that. The younger guys were showing it. And it was like, well, good. I'm glad you guys are showing it. I think when I, I, think when I a, left, it was a basket case. Yeah, there's a there's a very there's a infinite like and I say this all the time and I say you know as law enforcement we have to have emotion. Yeah, we have to have emotion because otherwise we stop caring and once we stop yeah. caring we are destructive and if you're destructive you're no better than the criminals that we're locking up because you yep. start thinking that things are okay that actually aren't and at that stage you should be if you're at that stage. <laughs> I'm going to put a plug in here for myself, reach out to me or just reach out to somebody, reach out to a counselor right. of some sort or reach out to Mike or somebody that you've listened to on this podcast that you, you resonate with because that's the point where you can destroy everything you care about, which as we've talked about today, you, you know, you've gotten to, you've had stages of Mike throughout your life and career. What would be, you know, I know back in the day, back in the 70s, 80s, I've talked to a lot of people that were cops for like 30 plus years. So, you know, they're back 70s, 80s, 90s. And, you know, the culture has changed a lot, which is amazing to see. But it's still, it's still that you have to be this specific image or identity as an officer. What would you say to those that are, you know, coming up into, you know, they're, that are starting their career or in it a few years or even been in it for a long time what would you say to those people coming along what would be your top tip to them don't forget who you are don't forget where you came from and don't let the job get to you and um i i think it i think the mentality is changing which is good but you still, you got to remember, you be, you get in law enforcement, you're taught repeatedly. You, you, there's all these things in the academy that, that you learn and you're taught. You have to protect yourself. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do this. You have to do that. So when you leave the academy, you're scared, but you, you know you're tough. It's like leaving basic training, right? Yeah. Um, so I can handle it all, but I have to be, I have to create this image that they want me to be and what society wants me to be so i can't show you in society what i am because i'm not allowed to do that so i have to still keep my image up and the image is what is being tough that's the image the image is like none of this bothers me that's you know that that's what they teach you it's not supposed to bother you it's not supposed to bother you i mean that's what they did teach or they're changing it now but Never forget where you've come. Never forget what you've done. And you can still be yourself and be yourself and talk. And if you're married, talk to your spouse. I'm so talk glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. It, it so makes it just tell her, just I don't want, I just want you to listen. 
It's all I want. It's just for you to listen. And you may cry and you may show your emotion, but you got to do it. You, that's you. You have to do it. I'm I'm so glad you brought that up, Mike, because it's one thing that I didn't do. I you know I had a female partner of mine get assaulted, and I was when I, when I went to go arrest the guy, and he tried to escape, and he punched in the side of the face, and I I caught the guy. But I remember coming home, and I was riding my bicycle to work at that time, and I was late, and my wife rang me. I could feel my phone vibrating as I was coming down. I came around to the back steps, and I sat down, and I'm gonna tear up here. I already know I am. Um, and I sat down, and she goes, "What's wrong?" Because I was like four hours overtime. And, you know, I was supposed to finish at 2 a.m. I was home at sunrise. Um, and yeah. she goes, what's wrong? What happened? And I was like, and I just exploded. And that was that was when, because that was about a year and a half into the job, and I hadn't been telling her about the stuff. I've been telling her about the exciting things, but yeah. not about the rough things and all that. And they just, it all came flooding out. And then guess what I did after that? I shut down again. Yep. And... It's so important. Your spouse knows you. She know she or he knows when things aren't right. You don't have to go into the gory, gory details about all of it, but just talking it out makes huge difference. And you know, as we talked about with a little bit of emotion side of stuff, is we have to have emotions as law enforcement. Now, I love this. I love and sad that you had to experience it, but the guy, you know, torching himself right in front of you. In that moment, yes, you have to kind of put some of your emotions away. You can let some tear, you can let the te some tears come out in that, but you do have a job to do. Yep. It's the, as you said, the afterwards, the debrief, the being around people. Maybe it's not even your colleagues, but going home and telling your spouse, "This is what I saw today. This is where I was." Now she can't, she or he won't understand. Completely, because they weren't there. They don't live it, but they can understand that you're going through stuff. That if you start to become snappy, if you start to shut down, if you start to get into the bottle, if you whatever your crux is, you start to disconnect. They can then go, well, Mike, you know what's going on? Are you are you okay with that thing that you went to the other day? But if they all they just they got and they got to listen. But you're right. Yeah. So it has to happen. But again, if you, I think like for myself, my wife knew me before I was in the place and she always says she reckons it was a lot easier because she knew who I was before I was a cop. If you're dating somebody that is a cop already, it's a little bit, it's, she reckons it's a lot more difficult, which I could agree with. Um, but it is, it's that, it's that understanding and any spouses that are listening to this, you know, understand that a cop sees things what was I saw an article a little while back sees like 18 times as much trauma in one year than a normal person does in their lifetime. And they see it. Then they do. Time. Yes. Then they do in their lifetime. That was it. Lifetime, yeah. 18 times more in one year as a cop yep. in the U S than they do in some, then, then somebody will in their lifetime. Now think you did how many years in law enforcement? <laughs> 30. <laughs> 30 times 18. There you go. So, you know, and it's, and it's okay, but we've got to remember the learnings from all this. We get to now teach the next people coming in what we wish that we had known. I encourage them to talk. I, you know, I can tell you my son, I, I know we've talked about some of his stories, but I, I've encouraged him. He, 
you, you need to talk to me. You need to talk to me, but you need to talk to his wife. And I've sat with his wife and she's a lawyer. So, you know, sometimes that can be a little tough, but, but I've said, you, you need to just listen. Don't ask questions. Listen. I, I, because I, and, he needs to listen. And we, we struggle, especially as men or any kind of masculine type thing, because our thing is to fix everything. Uh, and law enforcement is a very masculine role. So yep. even females that are in law enforcement become quite masculine. They lose a lot of their femininity, which I, I've found, which is good and bad. But I think it's more destructive than anything. But what I've found, and this is just a tip for people, and you can pass this on to your, your son in that as well. What I've found is, and I learned this from one of my coaches, uh, is the hat metaphor. So I always ask my wife when she starts to come to me with a, problem or something that she, you know that's, that's going on for I always ask her I go do you want husband Chris or do you want coach Chris yep. because they're two totally different people husband Chris is going to be there he's going to understand he's going to emotionally support you he's not going to feed into everything but he's going to emotionally be there and he's not going to try and fix it yeah or do you want coach Chris who's going to give you all the solutions and will help work you through it yeah, exactly. And sometimes she'll go, oh, and she'll hesitate for a second, and then she'll go, I want Coach Chris. I was like, okay, cool. Coach Chris it is. But it's, <laughs> do you want husband Mike, or do you want cop Mike? Yep. Do you want husband Mike, or do you want solution Mike? But you got to remember, I didn't I didn't learn no. that. And you don't, yeah, but I'm, I'm saying this, I'm saying yeah. this for anybody who's listening, because it's a huge thing that, that can that can help a lot of people because what it does is it puts boundaries in place. And so when you come home from one of those jobs, you can be like, you can come home. And again, that comes down to that communication side of things is you come home and you go sweetie or husband or whatever, you know, whoever the partner is, I need husband or wife person because I've had one of those days. Yeah. And that way they can just be there, zip it. And just listen. And then if they want to have asking questions in that, then cool. But it's just being there. Most of the time, I feel like if I had come home and just told my wife what was going on and she just gave me a big hug, fuck, it would have made life so much better. <laughs> you know, it's, um, I, I, I never did that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I would, uh, mm -hmm. I would shut down. I wouldn't, um, oh, how was your night? Oh, how was the call out? It was fine. End of story. Yeah. And I would just, I would just, it's like, don't you want to talk about anything? No, there's nothing to talk about, you know, you know, you know, I don't know about that plant over in that yard. I think, and you know, that we got to replant that. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, you also lose what ends up happening is you end up losing your, um, your almost in a way you lose your masculinity because a masculine guy, a masculine person, uh, or a feminine, well, a masculine person, I'm talking about, you know, masculine people here at the moment, they, they're very direct and can make decisions. And so when we're cops and we're in that masculine state, yeah, we can make the biggest and the hardest decisions, can't we? You have no idea, but we yeah. can't do it that other way. We can't live the other way. You know, we don't go home if it's the other way. And so then when we come home, we lose that because of everything else. So it's very important for any listeners in that to, to recognize that everything we've talked about today is excellent. And the reason I say that is because without us going through this, the next ones coming up behind us 
cannot learn from it. Right. So there's been a lot of learnings here that Mike's talked about, you know, the things like communication, Learned. talking, you know, being open about stuff. Learn what it, it, let it, you know, let one of the things I see with the new cops today is they forget where the old cops have come, but the old cops have come from, we did things differently than what they do today. There is no doubt about very, it. Very. Um, and not, I'm not saying their job, their job's hard. They have different issues that they have technology now that they have to deal with. We didn't have that technology back in the day. And so we handle things differently than what they do, um, how they have to handle it today. Um, but you have to talk and don't shut down and don't isolate and don't, and be yourself and, and uh, find something that keeps you going, whatever that may be, whatever that is. Um, but talk and and my I'm always here. I'll, I'll talk to anybody. If anybody are, anybody in your shows or anybody, they can they can absolutely reach out to me. I still have people reach out to me from back in Oregon just to check in, say, hey, I had a rough time. You care? You got a minute? I'll I'll listen to you. I will sit down and I will talk with you. How so, does somebody get in touch with you? How, how are you happy for someone to get in touch with you? You know. Uh, phone number, email. Do you want me to give it out, or do you put it out? Or? Yeah, I'll, I'll put it into the. I'll put it into the things. If you're happy for your phone number and your email to be shared, to be shared out there with the world, yes. um, I can put it in there. But if, for those that are just listening right now, what's the best email to get a hold of you? So that, you know, if they're just listening in the car right now and they're not reading the description, it's Mike M I K E M N D E R at Yahoo. There you go. We'll put that in the description as well. Uh, Mike, now I know, you know, I'm a huge identity guy or why guy, as I call it. Um, and I know we've talked about this before and it's something that we might be working together to help, you know, kind of help you and, and even your son kind of work through. But I know you identified as a cop for a very long time. Who do you, you know, who would you say that you identify as in a whole throughout your whole life? What do you mean? Type? I don't know. So like, sure I know my or what would you say your why is that driving why that causes you to that, that you know that has that has helped you through everything that is you know made you who you are that is that driving that driving why behind everything I think probably the easier thing I think you know I, I always look back even why I did all this stuff is I always wanted to help people you know mm -hmm. and you know, to this day, I still do. Even what I do, what I work with now, you know, I try to help people, try to get them on the right track, and you know, try to, you know, try to do something. So my why is always, why am I always helping people and trying to be that person? Mm -hmm. um, I know when I retire here next week, I'm not going to have any of that. And, you know, that makes me nervous to be right up front with you. I mean, I'm, I'm scared about that a lot. I have a lot of fears right now. Um, because I don't have any, I'm not going to have, be able to, to reach out and help people. And, um, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen here to be honest with you. Sorry, man. <laughs> I know there's as, as, as many people, if they've listened to most of my episodes, the helping people, I believe everything goes deeper than that. And obviously yeah. you're at the stage where that's where it's at and we're going to work through that. But just to go a little bit deeper, why is it important for you to help people? I just don't want anybody to walk in my shoes. Mm. If I can, 
get them out of my shoes and try to put them in the right path, then that's what I really want to do. Did you have good shoes when you were a kid? What do you mean? Like a what? Like I said, I grew up in a very Mayberry type home. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't even know. I remember when I was in the reserve academy my first time, and we had a section on domestic violence. And I remember going, "What's domestic violence?" I had no idea. I never knew what that was. You know. So, I mean, it was like, people do that stuff. People fight like that. You know, I, I just, I remember that. I remember being on those calls and I'm like going, people really fight like this? <laughs> yeah. Beat the shit out of each other and do all these things. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that even happened before. <laughs> mm, mm, interesting. It'd be interesting to dig deeper into that. And we'll do that at another time. But I do believe obviously they go deeper, but how, and, and just real quick, once you do dig deeper into things and this is for everybody else not necessarily just for you mike but once you dig deeper into it and you actually apply it to yourself like you know i talk about mission statements and that a lot now i do a lot of training with people around it as you then start to apply it to yourself so you find ways to, to serve it so mine is to create less pain for myself and others so we create the best version of ourselves it's my mission statement it's what i live by whether it be career whether it be relationships whether it be enjoyment whether it be fitness financial all of it i apply it against that uh, and I just did an episode with somebody with a different um, uh, guys actually me being interviewed uh, just before we recorded this episode. And it's all about talking about that because right. then you actually know who you can stand on your own two feet. And I know we're talking further about this off this episode. But for those that are listening, it's so important to recognize that you are you. You're not what you do. Yep. Very, you're not very how you serve. You are you. Be you. Be you. And we be talked you. about this before. You said this as a cop. Be you. Don't lose you. Do everything in your power to not lose you. And so this is where a, a mission statement can help with that. Um, or, you know, knowing your, knowing that why at a deep level or even at a you know somewhat service level. Uh, Mike, um, I'm going to ask just, just a couple more questions and we'll wrap up. But what would be your number one piece of advice? And I think you've already kind of said it, but we'll see what you say now. What would be your number one piece of advice for listeners when it comes to um, being, um, I want to say being a first responder, but being a helper, being somebody who helps people, what would be your number one piece of advice? Try not to get emotionally involved, I guess. Try not. I think I think it just goes back is when I look back, I wish I would have shown my feelings a lot more and did a lot more and not hide everything. Mm. You know, so I think uh, you know, I sit here and listen to all this stuff that we're talking about and I just think back and advice would be just don't don't get where I was at mm. you know don't find something reach out go way before anything else just reach reach out and I mean it's I told you this I've, I've told you this and it still bothers me to this day but I want I want to be able to feel again 
I, I want I want that. I want to be able to feel. Um, I want to have emotions, and I want to be able to um, to just to feel again, where I feel like I can be, I can experience that again. I just it's it's just a big hurdle for me right now. So, and because I'm afraid to show it to anybody, I'm afraid. It's like you can't. You know, you know it's, 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 it's a habit now. It's a habit for you. And it, yeah. the first, I want to say this, though, and I want to reiterate this to viewers and listeners and also to yourself, Mike, but really bring this to attention. You just started. Yeah. You actually started a few weeks ago when we first talked, but you've, yeah. you've put it out there even more now. Yeah. That that's what you want. That's the vision that you want. And once we have a vision... Even if we don't do anything with it, we don't set any plan in place, it will still slowly get chipped away at if we keep focusing on that vision because we'll start looking yeah. for ways to do it. We'll start talking to people. As you said, it's talk to people. Don't get to where you are. You want to be able to feel emotions again. So whoever is listening to this or watching this, what's your vision? What do you, what's that one thing that you feel like is missing and put it out there to the universe? So I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you brought that up, Mike. Um, the very last question I like to ask before I open it up to the final words and letting you, you know, take the take the stand for a second. What would be your top tip to self happiness, Mike? I don't know. <laughs> I I uh, uh, you know. Yeah, dang, Chris, man, that's hard. It's uh, being just being, you know, it's just finding yourself. I think it just, I just, when I find myself, and I'm working harder and harder every day to find that. I, I always feel better when I when I think I found it. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, still, you know, it's it's getting there. So find yourself and don't lose yourself. I really lost myself, like really, really lost myself. So that's why, you know, it's 30 years of being a cop. And then the last 10 years I've been doing defense work and I've lost myself. Everything's been about everybody else, not nothing about me. Mm. So um, find yourself and stick with it and do something good. You know, and don't don't bury yourself in the job. It's not it's not worth it. It's it, it's not not even a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, the job is an amazing job. I always say this: it's the best job in the world, but the hardest job in the world. So just it was, it was a good job. It was a great life, and I could. It's there was a lot of not just negative. There was some really good, uh, rewarding things. And, you do you know, a lot okay. of good. You do a lot of good. And you did a lot of good, Mike. Yeah, I, I think I, I still, there's a lot of people out there who still keep in touch with me. I, I don't know if I told you this, but a young lady back in 1999, um, when I was a SRO in a high school, um, reached out to me because of all this police stuff going on out there in this community. And I remember her and she's, and she sent me an email just in the last couple months and just says, I remember you and I want you to know how you changed my life and my thinking of how police work, 
how police work is. And she, and she says, I want to thank you because I see what, what everybody's going through now and how it's so, you know, misinformed. And, and she, she wrote this lengthy thing. And I was just, I just like, wow. I mean, that's 1999. That was a long time ago. That's an impact. That's an impact. <laughs> For somebody to remember that and, you know, to reach out and say something, you know? Yeah. So, it's it's a massive impact for somebody to reach out 23 years later yeah that is, that's an impact that you're still on her mind about that so mike thanks so much for being here thanks so much for being so open and vulnerable and talking about the, your stories and 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 what's going on i know there's so much more depth in there that we could be here for hours talking about yeah. all this um but i do hope that somebody you know i do know i don't hope i know that somebody will take this and they will they will, it will make a difference. It'll make an impact. So you said that, you know, in eight days or so, you're worried about not being able to help people. Well, you've just now continually helping people because this episode's out there for the rest of eternity. So, you know, it's there. So you're going to be helping people all the time and people will constantly do listen to older episodes as well. So there's that. But what I like to do is I like to give you an opportunity to, you know, put your final words and put anything that's kind of on your mind um, before we wrap up. Um, kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. Just thank you. So what you're doing is great. It's, it's great. So to hell. Awesome. we're going to get it done somehow. We are. We're <laughs> going to get it done, Mike. We're going to get it done. We're changing the culture. We're changing the way people look at themselves. Yep. Um, you know, that's the, that's the key thing. Well, Mike, thank you very much. You know, thanks for being here. Thanks for, as I said, thanks for being so vulnerable. This is fight the burnout. Mm -hmm. When we burn out, we become destructive. Not necessarily always to others, but we do for ourselves. Uh, and just burnout, as we know, looks differently for different people. Uh, and so I want you to really remember, take one thing away from this, maybe two, maybe three, maybe five, maybe a dozen. But only really you need to just look for one thing. Whatever's resonating for you right now, take it away. Uh, and remember, we're always here to help. You can reach out to Mike. Uh, his details will be in the description down below, or you can reach out to us at team at createfromwhy.com, uh, or you can come to our Facebook group. We've got a free law enforcement career development Facebook group where we talk about this kinds of stuff. We're actually having, you know, we have different people in there to give them trainings. I give all my mindset training stuff away. We've got a five day challenge in there, all sorts of different stuff. Uh, it's just, um, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash police fam. Uh, so police F-A-M. And come join and come join in and have a, have a look around. You know, get active in there, talk in there, because the more you put out there, the more you're going to get back. Um, but we, we we'd love to see you in there and also see you uh, see you contact us and let us know what's going on. But again, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you guys on the next episode. Remember, these go live on Fridays, uh, New Zealand time or Thursdays in the U.S. And uh, we're here to help uh, not just law enforcement and first responders, but everybody. But we also know that law enforcement and first responders have one of the hardest uh, and most stressful jobs out there because we do. We see 18 times as much trauma in one year as, a, you know, as somebody in their lifetime. That number still just amazes me. Um, but anyways, it is true. You know, I saw trauma on my first day of the job. So there you go. Uh, anyways, we will talk to you guys soon again. Thank you very much for watching and listening.